from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. First of all, congratulations on getting Trudy Bush Valentine to speak to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it will, you know, mix up the votes a little bit on the Republican side. It, it was like six words, you know, so. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, I do think that there is still a role that John Wood could play here. Any candidacy that has millions and millions of dollars behind it, you have to take seriously. That Valentine campaign is really going to have to figure out how do you get on the ground? How do you connect when the narrative is you're an heiress from St. Louis? How do you connect with those voters? I mean, I can't see her being comfortable campaigning in those areas where the Democrats need to campaign. I mean, clearly Trudy will need Corey's support. I'm Jonathan All. Yesterday's primaries are in the books, and we know a lot more than we did the day before, but there's still a lot yet we're not sure about. Joining me today to talk about what happened yesterday and looking forward to the November elections are St. Louis Public Radio correspondents Rachel Littman and Jason Rosenbaum. Hello. Thanks. We're glad to be here. (laughs) And University of Missouri-St. Louis political science professor Anita Mannion. Glad to talk with you all today. Let's get right into it. Um, let's start with uh, uh, Jason and Rachel. Did you think there were any surprises yesterday? Yeah, I yes. did not expect. Excuse me, I did not expect Shemed Dogan to lose the Republican primary for county executive. That was a shocker because Kathleen Pinner, Catherine Pinner, yes, is an I, author. I, like I don't even know this person's name because she didn't campaign. She doesn't she even have a campaign committee. Like, I don't know how that happened. I would agree. I think also some of the margin in some of the races surprised me, not necessarily the results, but the the width of the breadth of the margins of um, victory. And we will get back to that in a minute. Anita, did you anything big come out and surprise you in yesterday's results? I absolutely agree about the Shemed Dogan race. I, too, went to Catherine Pinner's website, which is not a traditional political website. Um, You know, Shemed Dogan had the name recognition. He had the fundraising and the experience. So I have to think that Sam Page was breathing a sigh of relief for that one. I'll be curious to see on the precinct numbers when those come out where she picked up the votes and... Just my spidey sense tells me there may be a racial factor in this as well. Shamed Dogan is black. Catherine Pinner is white. That does have a tendency to occasionally play out in uh, St. Louis area politics. But without precinct numbers, I don't think we know. Yeah, and the impact of this is pretty sizable. Like, it was always going to be an uphill battle for a Republican to win this race. St. Louis County is now 60 percent Democratic. And you needed somebody like Shamed Dogan's amount of money and political operation to even have a chance. I think this all but guarantees that Sam Page will be county executive for the next four years. I agree. Do we think that gives him a certain amount of swagger? <laughs> that, <laughs> well, not, that, not, I mean, ne- not necessarily, because Ritter Days also won yesterday. And if Dennis Hancock beats Vicki England in that third district race to replace uh, Tim Fitch, we're going to have at least two more years of gridlock. It's going to be status quo in St. Louis County. And maybe by 2025, um, Sam Page will wish he is a full-time, he was a full-time anesthesiologist again. again. Yeah, the county the county council races will become more important because you also can't guarantee, as we've seen sometimes with the county council, that the party affiliation necessarily dictates support for the policies of your party. Yeah, the only people you fight with more than the other party are 
people in your own party. Very true. Sometimes. Um, let's go to the Senate race. Um, uh, Eric Schmidt will represent the Republicans. Trudy Bush Valentine will represent the Democrats. Uh, Anita Mannion, uh, do you think that this is going to be a race uh, that will be close at all in the fall? Well, in the same way, I think Sam Page is relieved. I think a lot of Democrats in Missouri are disappointed by uh, Eric Greitens' third place finish. Uh, It seems to me that with Eric Schmidt getting the nomination, that makes it a much stronger race for Republicans. Now, of course, John Wood is the wild card there. But again, with a Greitens nomination, I think Wood would have played a bigger role. Uh, Rachel, you talked about the margins. Was this uh, on the Republican side? Was this a margin that surprised you? A little bit, yes. Um, I think, it, and Jason, I don't know if it was for you as well. I think we we sort of saw that it was going to tilt towards Schmidt. The polling in Missouri isn't always necessarily accurate, but Greitens hadn't led in a poll since June, and there had been other outliers early on that had shown Schmidt winning. So, yeah, I think the fact that he won didn't necessarily surprise me. I thought it would be a little bit closer than it was. I don't want to be a hypocrite because I have said on this show and politically speaking and Twitter and to my wife and children that I think Missouri uh, polls are terrible and they're often inaccurate. <laughs> what are your kids' takes on Missouri I, uh, polls? I'm dying Declan is like, please stop talking about Missouri politics and get me some orange juice. Um, Good luck with that, But Declan. in this instance, every single poll going into this election was not only showing Schmidt leading, but leading beyond the margin of error. So was I surprised by the fact that he won by over 20 percentage points? Maybe a little bit, but I wasn't surprised that he won. And then once I started seeing the absentee numbers from places like Buchanan County, St. Louis County, Jefferson County, St. Charles County, and especially when I saw Schmidt winning in southeast Missouri, I, I knew almost by 8 p.m. that not only was he going to win, but it was going to be a blowout, and it was. Do you what, what does this do to the political future of Eric Crichton's, which is a sentence I, look, that I would hope that we'd stop saying years ago, but look, here we are. Look, I mean, I think Rachel and I in 2018 thought his political career was over. I mean, you could make an argument that, like, reporters like me, like— gave him more credibility going into this than maybe we should have. But he was leading in pretty much every poll by a a wide margin. He was drawing very enthusiastic crowds of supporters that would be willing to campaign for him. I think where he ran into the brick wall of reality was that unlike 2016, when he had this robust infrastructure that included a lot of money going to his campaign and undisclosed money that was going to third-party PACs that clearly helped him win in 2016, he didn't have that this time. And when all these ads were flooding the airwaves, of you know, highlighting these abuse allegations from his ex-wife, he basically didn't have any way to respond to it except on social media. So Greitens was hoisted by his own petard, like Schmidt beat him with his own strategy. I would not be surprised if he attempts to make a comeback somehow. I think we just sort of know that that's who he is now, wants the attention. But what that looks like, I don't know. Do I think he maybe attempts to go after Hawley in 2024? Possibly. Does he stick to political commentary on various and sundry social media, far-right platforms? Also possible. I think you'll still hear from him. And maybe in 2024, he runs again. I don't think you've heard the last of him, though. If you have a question or comment for our panel or would like to give your impressions of yesterday's results, 
results or what's ahead, give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpr.org. Anita Mannion, you mentioned John Wood, the independent uh, who is uh, running uh, for Senate and will be facing Bush Valentine and Schmidt in the fall. Um, Bush Valentine took a few questions from reporters last night after uh, her victory, and we, uh, uh, I asked her specifically about uh, John Wood and whether what she thought, you know, would it be good for him, her if, if he's successful? Uh, yeah, I think it will, you know, mix up the votes a little bit on the Republican side. She is short of words, but that is <laughs> was definitely a, a, a strong opinion. Um, Anita Mannion, do you think that uh, that there's anything to that calculus? Well, first of all, congratulations on getting Trudy Bush Valentine to speak to you. <laughs> um, I wasn't successful at doing that. <laughs> it, 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 it was like six words, you know. So Fair. Um, yeah, I do think that there is still a role that John Wood could play here. Um, even though Schmidt is more an establishment candidate than certainly Greitens was, he is still a bit incendiary and could turn off some more moderate voters. And so maybe some folks who don't want to vote for the Democrat, this could give them another lane. But with Schmidt in office or as the candidate, I just think it's going to be a real uphill battle for Trudy Bush Valentine, particularly since she didn't get a lot of campaign experience in the primary process. I think it's going to depend on the kind of campaign that Schmidt runs. If he's running a continuation of his Republican primary campaign in the general election, then yes, I think you could pull off some people who consider themselves more moderate Republicans, if there are any who really exist in that narrow band anymore. If he pivots to a more general election strategy to try and outflank John Wood to the center, I don't know if it becomes that much of a factor. I think we'll have to see how Schmidt decides to present himself to general election voters. I, I think what I've been saying all along about the John Wood candidacy is I'm taking it seriously because any candidacy that has millions and millions of dollars behind it, you have to take seriously. I can't just, I can't credit Eric Schmidt for winning because he had a robust broadcast media strategy and then turn around and say, John Wood has the same thing and then has no chance. But the caveat I would put forward is there's just not a rich tradition in Missouri where an independent or third-party candidate does well in statewide elections. And it's going to be up to John Wood to break that trend, and it's going to be a lot harder now that it's Schmidt instead of Eric Greitens. Is there a possibility, though, that if Schmidt doesn't do a good job of walking the tightrope between appealing to the hard conservative base and rallying them, but also being appealing to moderates, that Wood does appeal to moderates, and that Bush Valentine gets allies who are on the progressive wing of the party to actively support her. I mean, I know that's an awful lot of Vaseline to smear on the lens to try to see something, but is it there? It goes back to what I, this is not a commentary on Trudy Bush Valentine, the candidate or the person, but I'm going to say the same thing regardless whether it was her, Lucas Kuntz, Claire McCaskill, Jane Nixon, whatever. If Democrats continue to get blown out in rural Missouri and they're continually losing suburbs like St. Charles, Jefferson County, Clay County, Platte County, Buchanan County is not a suburb, but I'm counting it in that mix, too. They are not going to win statewide elections. They cannot win statewide elections just by running up the score in St. Louis and Kansas City 
in Colombia, which isn't even that democratic anymore. I've been banging this drum for years. I think that Democrats who are smart know that this is true. So I don't know if 2022 is going to be the year where they piece together this coalition. But even if this race doesn't work out for them, they definitely should try to lay that foundation for 2024, when not only Josh Hawley is going to be on the ballot, but you're going to have all of these open statewide races, including the governorship, where if they get their act together, maybe they'll have a chance. Uh, Anita Mannion, am I squinting too hard looking for a, a, a way that Trudy Bush Valentine could win? It's going to be a pretty good squint there, Jonathan. But I, I do agree with what Jason said regarding suburban and rural Missouri. And I think that's where Lucas Kuntz did a better job than Trudy Bush Valentine um, and was laying that groundwork in rural Missouri and had a story that connected. And so I think that, that that Valentine campaign is really going to have to figure out how do you get on the ground? How do you connect when the narrative is you're an heiress from St. Louis? How do you connect with those voters? Maybe it is around reproductive rights or women's issues or you know being a nurse in the opioid crisis but she's got to figure that out i think she's also got to figure out how to present the story on her own she's either going to have to have really really good surrogates or is going to have to learn to speak to the media to speak to hostile crowds um I mean, I can't see her being comfortable campaigning in those areas where the Democrats need to campaign. Uh, We asked uh, listeners to uh, describe the Missouri primary election in five words or fewer. Here were some of their responses. Uh, Umar wrote, drinking bush beer in Bridgeton. John tweeted, lots of work to do. Dave tweeted, restoring my faith in humanity. And Johan tweeted, just like me at a Missouri wedding, Bush it is. <laughs> We'd still like to hear from you. You can tweet at us. Uh, you can also uh, call uh, at 314-382-TALK. Uh, tweet at us at STL on air. We're going to take a quick break, but we will be back with Jason Rosenbaum, Rachel Lipman, and Anita Mannion talking about election results, and we'll kick it off with Corey Bush's win in the primary yesterday. That's coming up on St. Louis on the Air. Welcome back. We're talking about yesterday's Missouri primary results with Rachel Littman, Jason Rosenbaum, and Anita Mannion. Corey Bush was one of the people who won big yesterday, uh, easily winning her primary election, a very significant margin. Um, Rachel and Jason, uh, surprised by how big it was? Uh, Okay, so I am not surprised that she won, and I'm not surprised that she won by a large margin. I think the notable thing is just how large this margin is. I think the last time I checked, it was around 30-ish percentage points. You know, I've been interviewing Congresswoman Bush since she first ran for Congress in 2018. I think every time there's an election, I'm like, are you going to win the black vote? Are you going to win the black vote? Are you going to win the black vote? Because she didn't do it in 2018. She didn't do it in 2020. And the big question going into 2022 was, could she do it and solidify her place in the seat? And I think she answered that question with an emphatic heck yes. I know this is a family show, so I'm not going to say the other word. And, you mean um, what she said in her tweet? Yes. Um, and 
you know, I, I, I mean, there's no way to get up to 70 percent of the vote in this district without winning over African-American parts. And I think both her and her campaign team have a lot to be proud of because I, I don't see her seriously challenged anytime soon after this. And in in typical Cori Bush fashion, she came out swinging even uh, in her victory speech uh, last night at House of Soul. They didn't like that. We don't accept any corporate money. They don't like that. I speak the way I speak because I came from this community and I sound like my community. That's Cori Bush last night. Now, I do want to make a point, though. I got to interview a uh, Congresswoman Bush twice, including once with uh, Sarah Kellogg on Politically Speaking. And we asked her a couple times about Steve Roberts. I noticed she never said his name once. She never directly criticized him. And that, to me, signaled that she was confident because winning campaigns who just accentuate what they feel that they've done in office and don't feel a need to attack their opponents, uh, they know they're going to win. Anita and Jason, I'm curious what you think about this perspective. Would a different candidate besides Steve Roberts, who didn't come in with the significant baggage that Steve Roberts came in with, credible accusation of sexual assault where he paid off, uh, paid out a settlement for it. He says the insurance company told him to do it. There's another allegation out there that is slightly less strong, but it is out there. It was from a, a former uh, state representative, the late Cora Faith Walker. Would a different candidate with less baggage have made this race closer? Uh, Anita, I kind of want to hear from you on this first. Sure. I think that a stronger candidate could have made those margins not so shocking. But I do think it would be really hard to beat Cori Bush in a low turnout election where she has such grassroots response support in that district and even though it has been redrawn i'm now in that district formerly in two but we, I think we, we that, switched places <laughs> oh great <laughs> but i think she has that energy and really that on the ground grassroots support and people connect with her so i think it'd be really hard to beat her in a low turnout democratic primary election let's go to the phones david in union has a question uh, about cory bush and uh, trudy bush valentine uh, that's true uh uh, does anyone have a sense of what kind of uh, alliance, if any, they have? I mean, clearly, Trudy will need Corey's support. And do you think Kuntz and Trudy will bury the hatchet after some ugly commercials? Ooh, Thank you. That, Thank you very much for your call, David. I want to take the second question first. I mean, maybe, but that was a really contentious Democratic it primary between Coons in the last two weeks. And, 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 and I mean, Valentine. really, I don't think the gloves came off until the last and, two weeks. Which is when people start paying attention, and, to be fair. You know, Coons like, was outraising a lot of Republican candidates. He put together a extremely credible campaign that really relied on building this foundation by going to places and, and actively campaigning. And really, he lost because he ran into this brick self-fundraising wall, which I think Kuntz was trying to bring down in the last couple of weeks. I don't know, but I don't think it really helps. I don't think a contentious Democratic primary really helps when the Missouri Democratic Party is a lot more diminished than it was you know, 12 or 15 years ago. 
We got a great tweet from Melissa. I have an honest question for Progressive Missouri. How did we get Cory Bush on the ballot in the first congressional district, but Bush Valentine for U.S. Senate? I'm not at all excited about the Senate general election in November. To be clear, I'll be voting, but I will vote for the least bad option, which doesn't exactly inspire civic engagement. Rachel. Because Missouri is a much different state than the first district. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, the, the, the first district is, is drawn to be one of the two state Democratic districts. And it's a much different candidate that can run there than can appeal to statewide. There is also the money factor in it. And, you know, Bush Valentine was able to rack up major margins in big counties. That's how she was able to do it. So you're just looking at very different universes between Missouri 1st Congressional District and the rest of the state of Missouri. But I'll, I'll just be honest, like I was talking with a lot of Democrats about that Senate race and even, there were people that were excited about Spencer Toder and Lucas Kuntz. But I think overall, like the general feeling was the field was pretty underwhelming. Like if you were a Republican, you had lots of choices. You could have Billy Long, who tweets wacky things, or Dave Schatz, <laughs> who's the business person, or Mark McCloskey, who... You know, Mark McCloskey. He, he said that the Yin Yang Twins and Vanilla Ice endorsed him at the Green County Fair, even though they were just playing there. Um, or you could have had Schmidt, Greitens, or, or Vicky Hartzler. I, I didn't get the sense that the same, you know, embarrassment of riches was on the Democratic side, which kind of just shows that their bench is really weak right now, and they really need to start working towards 2024 now. I've just been told, yes, you can cross yin-yang twins off of your St. Louis on the air bingo card. (laughs) Um, That's just coming. Uh, To wrap up Cori Bush, Anita Mannion, does does Cori Bush's commanding win in this primary give her more uh, juice to be a more national voice and because she's so safe and, and, and powerful in her own district? I think it does. I mean, I don't think she held back from her own opinions and her national voice prior to this. But I think that this win now, she's basically won re-election. And so she's not a flash in the pan. She wasn't a one-time winner, um, you know, in a particular year. She is now maybe the new dynasty in the first district. So I think that does give her more power and credibility. Uh, moving to congressional races, now that we know who's running, um, I, I don't expect any surprises at all in the fall. I think these districts are going to respond exactly the way they were drawn. Uh, but I'd like the opinion of people smarter than me. Well, I am now in the second congressional district. You don't say. Which starts in my house in Richmond Heights and goes all the way to Warren County. Uh I think that Trish Gunby is a really good candidate. She showed that uh, in winning that state representative race and by beating Ray Reed pretty handily. But look, Franklin County is like a 70 percent Republican county. St. Charles isn't getting any more Democratic, especially in the western part. Like she will work hard. I'm talking about Trish Gunby here. But if it's a wave Republican year, like. Ann Wagner is going to win, and she might win by a larger margin than 2022, barring any surprises. It's it's not a criticism of Trish Gunby here. It's just the fact that this district was drawn to be more Republican, and that's just reality. It's up to Gunby to prove me wrong there. I, I think you are exactly right, Jonathan. I think the districts are going to act exactly as how they were meant to be drawn. And what they were hoping to do, which was maybe take out Cori Bush, seems to have backfired on them a little bit. 
In our final minute or so, um, biggest winner and biggest loser yesterday, hmm. which I'm springing on you. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this. So, um, <laughs> I think we should have expected uh, it. But... Mitch McConnell, because despite uh, Eric Greitens making him the boogeyman, he, according to Politico, his political operation donated prodigiously to the PAC that took him down. Um, and I think uh, Mitch would say, thanks for playing, Eric. Um, I think that the biggest loser in my mind is uh, the county executive, who, uh, the candidate who challenged Sam Page in the county executive race, Jane Duker. I think uh, Jason and I both thought that that race was going to be a little bit closer than it was, and it was not. Anita Mannion. And in that same ilk, I'll say the biggest winner was Sam Page because he very handily beat Jane Duker and his you know, competitive general election a potential foe was defeated. So now it seems like he has a smooth path through the November election. I feel I need to give Rala a little bit of love today. So I'm Go going to say it. biggest winner is Justin Brown, oh, who squeaked man. through his oh, primary, yeah. uh, even though he's an incumbent by fewer than 500 votes. Uh, and it's to, within the recount margin. So theoretically, is. Susie Pollock could uh, ask for one. And but. the biggest loser, Susie Pollock, who ran a very hard campaign and really appealed to very conservative people out in that state Senate district and came up 500 votes short. Well done. Anita Mannion. people that oh, every vote counts. Yes, yeah, it does. Saying, every vote counts. It does. It does. And I'm from Chicago, so there it voted. It counted twice. <laughs> Anita Mannion, <laughs> professor of political science at the University of Missouri St. Louis. Thank you for joining us. And Rachel Lippman and Jason Rosenbaum, our correspondents. Thank you as well. Thank Pleasure you. to do it. This episode was produced by Jonathan Ohm. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Alex Hoyer is our executive producer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.